There are faces I remember all my life, like Kent Daudaring Heinison, Christopher Matthews, Antonio Sanciolo, Marco Selmo, and Eric Trevarthen. Though those faces lose their meaning, their moment is now, because this one goes out to them. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rob. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast, pop culture, and comic fans. In this issue, we ain't got no turtles. Marry him or marry me. I'm the one that loves you, baby. Can't you see? I ain't got no future or a family tree, but I know what the princeless comic ought to be. This is the beginning. This is the day. You are watching the unfolding of one of history's great adventures. Dr. Smith is not on board, but the Major Spoilers podcast is on the air! Hey everyone, welcome to issue 419 of the Major Spoilers podcast. So glad you could join us this week. <laughs> Booyaka, Booyaka 419. Is that what it is? Yeah, you know yes. what that Saturday one is, though. Uh, <laughs> the, the next one? Yes, the one after 419. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, we got a lot of stuff going on this week. Yeah. Including <laughs> a look at uh, Princeless, which is an independent comic, independent series. Um, we'll be looking at that later in the show. We'll also have some reviews and other commentary. But first, the news. <laughs> the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are delayed to at <laughs> least 2014. Stephanie Brown and Batman finally come to Smallville. Snow Crash is getting the film treatment and the man of of steel costumes are revealed. I almost said man of costume steals are revealed. The man of <laughs> costumes are that somebody gave Riddlin to the guy who goes doot doot doodle. <laughs> well, let's spin that uh, magic wheel and see where everything lands. I thought maybe he was just doing like the theme from Small Wonder. <laughs> She's a small wonder. She's a small wonder. Now, see, you a guys laugh at that. that like but Matthew other and I worked on that show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we did. got their big break. <laughs> I remember sitting in Augustino's Pizza one afternoon with Stephen eating terrible cardboard pizza and watching Small like Wonder. Augustinos. And him looking at that and going, "Did you see that star filter?" And I went, "No, this show's awful." <laughs> Oh, Vicky. <laughs> anyway. Uh, the 90s. The, uh, was it, no, I'm pretty sure that was an 80s show. No, nope, 90s. Was it a 90s show? I, I Very was already, early 90s. I was already living in the United States when that show came out, so yeah. it had to be the 90s. Are you sure you weren't watching I, a I feel really run? bad because the no. little brother from that show now apparently is broke and homeless and blames yeah, it all on strippers. That's what I heard, too. Anyway, the uh, Wheel of Destiny landed on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> delayed until 2014. I think a lot of fanboys are uh, <laughs> ushering a sigh of relief. I had a great Actually, it wasn't called. Thousands of voices screamed out and were suddenly silenced. Michael Bay is like, I told a thousand fanboys to shut their pie holes, and now the movie's delayed. Um, Turns out the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, this is Paramount's doing. Why Um, does he talk? Because. Because he's Michael. Yes, because he's Michael Bay. (laughs) Michael Bay talks like Batman. (laughs) Michael Bay pays Christian Bale to talk for him. Originally, I actually don't know that that's true. I think Michael Bay probably talks more like Jerry Lewis. 
<laughs> I'm going to make movies about the turtles and the glaive and, and the night nice thing. And, the and then there's a Humvee and it yeah. explodes. And there's explosions <laughs> and lying. Enough life and then they everywhere. Originally scheduled for December of 2013, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles had both Teenage and Mutant lopped off their names early in the uh, process. And now we find out from Paramount that they have shut down production for an indefinite time period. Uh, but apparently they're still looking at a 2014 release date for Ninja Turtles. At least that uh, is what they're doing um, for script they're going to it even more and call it Ninja Turtles. Maybe they'll just, yeah, maybe they'll just call it Turtles. Or Turds. What do you think, there, Rob? Because <laughs> that's what this is probably heading towards. Timu yeah. Ninja Turds. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody will talk like we're in a Frey comic. Rob, your thoughts? Um, I don't know. I'm I'm hoping that the uh, delay is to because uh, another one of the things was the delay was mostly due to script issues. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping those script issues are nobody was had any sort of positive response to Michael Bay's announcements of alien turtles that aren't teenagers. Well, what's the amazing thing is you know Kevin Eastman worked on this script, mm-hmm. which is, is is a little bizarre. Now I mean that doesn't mean that it's automatically going to be good, but you would think that it would be better than having the studio yank it completely but working on the script having the creator work on the script is not having it's not the same as having the creator have full creative yes, control that, that is I true mean, there that i mean it may be there. something where kevin eastman came in and he said okay here's the issues that you have and here's where you're coming away from my concept and michael bay went i'm gonna polish your turd or, I mean, for that matter, it could have been the opposite. It could have been that Eastman True. is trying to put together a comic or, or a movie that might have been awesome in 1990, but pr- might not fly today. Here's what I think actually did happen. Paramount is telling us, right, mm-hmm. um, that uh, the film is being taken back because of script Script changes. issues, yeah. Right. Um, my guess is this is what Paramount is doing. It's taking the script and saying, look, guys, we're taking this script back for script changes. We're going into a room where script changes are being made. That's all these make- monkeys. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just yeah. that guy that they paid angry, to play Jordy LaForge Angry nerds, at you can now know we are listening <laughs> typing to you, on angry a, nerds. Typing on a, on a, uh, we are making changes to the script. We are telling Michael Bay, bad Michael Bay, you shouldn't do this. They will come out with the exact same script they went in and say, <laughs> we have changed this script that nobody has seen anyway. Uh, and exactly. they will say, and now it's slated for weird. May, which is the big summer bu- blockbuster season instead of Christmas. Mm-hmm. So they're basically using this whole thing to be like, oh, no, don't worry, nerds. We're changing this all the way. Because most of the things that people got upset about were nomenclature issues. Right. The the, the fact that they dropped uh, Mutant and Ninja from the name, or mm-hmm. Teenage and Mutant from the name. Um, <laughs> teenage Turtles. That they were um, aliens. Right. Um, so... That di- that didn't mean that they weren't going to be teenagers. They just took it out of the name because you know what everybody calls the teenage mutant ninja turtles, the ninja turtles. Very um, true. And supposedly, the the ooze had always been alien in origin, but that almost doesn't matter as much. I mean, I think that they, this is a uh, at least you know twenty or so ounces of smoke at an industrial sized mirror 
to give us basically the same thing and just uh, let the heat die down, as it were. Definitely a good. I mean, it's a good. That's a, that's a good theory. Yes. I say there wasn't and, just nomenclature announcements, though. I mean, Michael Bay had actually come out and said they aren't teenagers, they aren't mutants, they're hundreds of year old aliens that act like human teenagers from Earth. Are you right. saying? Are, are you sure that he actually? Yeah, said Yeah, he that? did that. He did say that. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. I believe Stephen had it on this website that he hangs out at. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, you know, we've, and I know Matthew hates this, but uh, studios have become very reactionary and super cautious. Sure. Uh, you know, uh-huh. with, with all our, of our discussion of what happened with John Carter, you know, Paramount is, um, this is the third movie that they have yanked from rotation mm-hmm. in the last month. G.I. Joe got yanked just, I think it was supposed to come out. This week, right? June 20th. This week, yeah. Last week, like sometime Yeah, yeah. Month. It was supposed to come out. They yanked that so they could go back and do rewrites and reshoots. World War Z with um, Brad. Brad Pitt has been yanked so they could go back and do seven more weeks of shooting, I think. Mm-hmm. Which like is yeah. a huge amount of, of reshoots that need to right. be done. Now, maybe it's all special effect work. I don't know. And now Paramount is yanking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to go back and do rewrites. I, I don't know if it, you know. I don't know if this is a reactionary just because of oh, you know, listen to the entard web scream and what we have to do. But when you look at uh, quarter two financials for um, uh, Paramount, their revenues are down by what do they say five percent, um, and they re- result that to lower theatrical revenue due to less widely distributed mix of releases in the same period last year. Essentially, in short form, they're saying they're not targeting enough people with their films. Yes. And what it really breaks down to is, you know, you can make money, and I don't hate the fact that Paramount pulls movies. I actually think that something like this is probably a good plan, but I do also believe that too many cooks can spoil a broth. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the biggest problem that I have with movie going over the last five or ten years is how the movie going experience is about how are we going to do opening weekend and then it's going to roll off the end of the pier. It's not about is this going to be a good movie? Is this going to be you well, know something that's that's faithful to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? It's can we beat the Avengers opening night? And if not, we're going to turn around and we're going to you know it's going to be on DVD in the red box by the end of June. Sure. And then we're going to put out a brand new movie next week. I think it's it, basically the movie industry has turned into the call center industry where everything is immediate gratification. And if this project doesn't immediately, you know, if you're not hitting the the high numbers in the IR, we're going to fire you and hire somebody else. Well, OK, so a couple of things, too, to keep in mind is that uh, the opening weekend is a huge thing these days. It, you know, 20 years ago, you could have a slow burn on a movie. Uh, well, maybe even 30 years ago, it was much easier to have a slow burn in a movie. And certainly in the 70s, uh, a movie a movie could travel in theaters for three months before, and again, we're talking even before uh, VHS, you could have that movie travel for three months around the country before it would even be thought of being picked up on television or the airlines or anything like that. Um, right. You know, there were times where the studios only released basically one movie a month, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what you had to pick from. Uh, today they crank out so much because we are a short attention span uh, people, and because we? we have all of those other uh, outlets for entertainment to occupy us. Television with 500 channels, video games with all of the things that are on there, the internet which is constantly drawing people away. So they need to crank out enough quality product that is going to generate high revenue so that they can create 
um, I don't want to say lesser quality product, but they so that way they can generate product that will um, do better in other outlets besides the movie theater. Generating stuff sure, direct sure. to DVD, generating stuff uh, that will do better overseas, um, right. and so on. So, and the overseas you, market, I believe that that that. T- tying into that overseas market is a good idea. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a smart idea. It's it's an awesome idea. I just question: Do we have a short attention span? Are they forced to put out these movies because we have a short attention span, or do we have a short attention span because they decided they need to be putting out these movies? No, yes. I, I, no, I don't think so. Because if a movie does do well, the movie will stick around. I mean, just if I mean, this is going back quite a few years now, ten Four years weeks. or whatever. <laughs> But I mean, I remember Planet of the Apes was in the theater here for three months because it was so was popular. Like almost was a decade ago. That was a decade ago, yeah. yeah um, the last time you looked up, no. But that was like the night. If a movie man. does it does well enough, the theater will solicit to have that that picture stick around. If it doesn't do well, the theater has to put in seats. So they say, "Hey, movie studio, we're jettisoning." Um, you know, this film, because nobody wants to watch it, you better have something else for us or we're going to be in trouble. And the movie theater is the one telling the the studios, hey, we need content to fill these seats because we are what's supporting you. So, yeah, there is, a, there is kind of a short attention span when it comes to this. How many people are still going to see the Avengers? Did you go see the Avengers this week? Not last week. But... You went two weeks ago, three weeks ago, four I've weeks gone ago? twice. Okay. That's it? Yeah. Man, I remember a time where I'd go see a movie like ten times in the theater because it was so. I've done that a few times before, yeah, but uh, so cool. You, Rob's employer is kind of stingy. He doesn't have a lot of money right now. <laughs> well, that is true. Here's what I think is really interesting about this, and actually, the fact that uh, World War Z is going back for a rewrite over potentially uh, people being up in arms because it wasn't sounding like the actual book. We I- are seeing right now the inverse of what movie studios have been doing movie you know basically since batman since the, the since mm-hmm. uh dark knight no 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 since like 1989 oh, okay yeah uh, studios have gone oh golly geez the way to get ahead is to get properties with built-in audiences mm-hmm. and right now we're finally getting to that point where a built-in audience is actually a detriment to a movie can be yes where Somebody goes, we're doing the Ninja Turtles, and we're doing brand new things with them, and people freak out. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're doing Iron Man. Iron, uh, why does Iron Man armor look so shiny? It shouldn't be that shiny, you guys. Yeah. Oh, but, 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 but we're going back to principal photography, nerds. Don't get mad at us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now it's going to start getting costly. We might start to see the swing of this pendulum where instead of developing stuff with built-in audiences, they're going to start going, you know what? We need brand new franchises so that nerds aren't always yelling at us and people will go well, see and their I, movies. You know, for, to an extent, that's right, because um, we're starting to see books being developed from, you know, popular titles, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, for example, or, you know, um, um, what's the Hunger Games? You know, right. th- they do have built-in audiences. They are popular books. Uh, but we also see uh, television shows being developed off shit my, my father says or shit my dad says. Right. Um, you know, you should say that one more time, just to be sure. Shit, my parental unit says. Yes. Um, the the thing Paterfamilias. is, yes. <laughs> um, no, nah, off topic. But you you you're you're right. I, I uh, still though Hollywood is only they're not going to go and try to find something completely never heard of before. 
Unfortunately, See, the that's the men- that's the problem with Hollywood. The though. current mentality is that they're ne- they're not going to go out and find something never heard of before. But it hasn't always been that way. The mm. past thirty years of movies have been that way. Right, right, right. But previous right. to that, it wasn't that. I way. know. It's and there's, but there's that's a hard a cycle to break. It is, Run. it is. But this might. I mean, we. I, I think this is where the pendulum starts to stop. It might be ten more years before it starts to swing yeah, in the yeah, opposite yeah. direction. But I yeah. think there's something to this. The internet, you know, the moment they they said, "You tell us what you want to see," and people started saying, "Not that." There uh, was a there was an experiment. I don't remember if it was on YouTube or or not. But I thought there was an experiment. Oh, it was that comic book thing where you tell us what's what happens. Oh, the axe. Comic yeah, yeah, yeah. Book. yeah. <laughs> but there, yeah. But I mean, which girl makes out with which other <laughs> yes, girl? Yes, the blonde or the brunette. Um, but you yeah. know, I don't know. Uh, it, if you had the internet make a movie, mm-hmm. I, I dread what would what would come of that. You know, talk yeah, about the ultimate committee. Especially if, like, this Axe comic, they said they were going to make the movie in real time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which might just look like... But, I mean, could you imagine if they said... it was done except suited, like, from yeah, yeah. Uh, Be Kind Rewind. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's just what it would... Jurassic Park. You make the movie. <laughs> now the T-Rex should uh, get on a spaceship. Uh, cut up uh, some cardboard, make a spaceship. But, but I mean, that's kind of what... I mean, that's kind of what, if you said, you tell us what this movie, you know, what you want to see in a movie, that's what you'd oh, end sure. up with. You know, you're right. Uh, 40 years ago, it was easy enough for uh, a guy to walk into a studio and say, well, I want to tell a story about the high school kids last night together before one of them goes to war and one of them goes to college. And it's all set in the 50 or in the 60s. And uh, they're driving cars all night. That was easy enough to go and do. Sure. I mean, today. I, yeah. You can't do that because they'd say, is there a book on it, a comic book on it? Has mm-hmm. it been a previous property? How are we going to make money built on this thing? in audience, right? right. It's all built right. in audience. And by buying into the voodoo, as we, we do, we are making this continue to happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I'm, the, all for the, original, I'm all for original stuff. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I'm also, not the, I'm also not the one with the excess spending money. I'm not the 14-year-old. No, I'm not well, the 14-year-old no, that his has... son is. Yeah, my son is Here's the one that the has Here's the thing that we have to keep in mind, though. And this is something, you know, to put my wrestling metaphor in play, the, the Michael Bay Drink. turtles <laughs> is, is John Cena. Or let me put it another way. The Michael Bay Transformers is John Cena. All of us who remember 1982, 84 are going, no, 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 we want the old Transformers. They're CM Punk. But thousands and thousands of 10-year-old boys loved those movies and the ball jokes and the, you know, the inappropriate remarks and the running around and the hopping and the cool toys that came with them. And 15 years from now, those guys are going to be driving oh, I know. a nostalgia market for think, the Transformers movie that people now are saying, oh, these are terrible and there's nothing to them and I, they're just explosions and racist jokes. I think Rodrigo and I had this comment the other day. I don't know if it was in one of the shows, but... I dread to see what movie my son will make when he is, you know, in his <laughs> early twenties, oh, you know, sure. early thirties. Because it's all going to be, it's all going to be some collage of trigger. It's going to be this collage, you know, a collage of Phineas and Ferb meets SpongeBob meets Power Rangers meets, you know, Mighty B you know what? meets whatever. Phineas Just... and Ferb meets Power Rangers has already been done. I'm, I'm sure it has, but and it's called Batman. Wow. Well. Everything's better with Batman. All right, listeners, we have uh, started the conversation. We want you to uh, continue it. Head over to Majorspoilers.com. You can uh, follow the link in the show notes about the Ninja Turtles delayed, or you can uh, head over to Majorspoilers and make a comment 
on this very specific podcast episode that you are listening to right now. Booyaka, booyaka, four, one, you know, I want to kind of continue this conversation in our next episode, one that we have a little bit more time to discuss. Not necessarily sure. about Ninja Turtles, but um, reactionary Turtles. reactionary movie news. Mm-hmm. Okay? Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles. Let's take a break, and when we come back, reviews. How to get a major spoilers shout-out. If you want to get a personalized shout-out at the top of the show, all you have to do is the following steps. Number one, visit Majorspoilers.com. Two, click on the Make a Donation button. Three, donate $10 or more to the cause. Four, sit back and relax and hear Matthew butcher your name and say something cute about you. Major Spoilers, bringing the good stuff since 2006. Thank you so much for everyone who's contributed to the cause. You can help us out by going to uh, Majorspoilers.com, clicking on that Amazon.com link. We know you're buying stuff from there. It could be anything. could be a Kindle book. could be uh, sneakers. Do they sell sneakers my, on Amazon? My and I bought a big I'm one ranger key. A, a what key? A big one ranger key from Gokaiger. It's from- a little toy. with a. If you flip it one way, it's a key that powers a Gokaiger weapon. But if you flip it another way, it's a little Power Ranger action figure. Hmm. It's it's difficult because he says he says it's so fast. You you need to break it down as big one rain jerky. Ah, <laughs> right. Rain jerkies. It's I know what you're talking about now. Jerky. No wonder. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's get to some reviews. Reviews. You know, I think a lot of people. A couple of oh, this is about a month ago. A couple of weeks ago. A lot of people really took offense to this announcement from DC Comics that they were creating a series of digital-only comics based on the Amakami uh, statues. Uh, I've got mm-hmm. them all over the place. You guys have seen them before. Yeah. Uh, the first one that they did was the Amakami Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was written by uh, Jimmy uh, Palmiotti and Justin Gray uh, with art in the first two installments of that by Amanda Connor. And i got to tell you, it was really good. Story-wise. <laughs> Story-wise, it was really... I mean, if you... And this is the thing that I'm getting to today as I'm reviewing Amakami Batgirl number one of three. It was really good. And if you were looking to reboot mm-hmm. a Wonder Woman comic, Palmiotti and Gray and Connor did it perfectly in that in that three-issue series. Now, uh, the only bad thing about the Wonder Woman is that the third act was another artist who did it. Mm-hmm. So it kind of fell apart there. Uh, but uh, this week, just released uh, Monday, I believe, Amakami Batgirl, uh, one of three, Jimmy Palmiotti, Justin Gray, Sanford Green doing the art on this. Um, this starts out with um, uh, uh, Batgirl. Obviously, it's uh, Barbara and her friend, and I'm guessing it's her cousin, um, um, getting ready to go out on a girl's night out. And here's what's really cool about it. In the old DC universe, Barbara Gordon was confined to a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. As this story opens up, we see Barbara's dad, Uncle Jimmy, to the the other girl, in the wheelchair. Mm -hmm. He's old and in the wheelchair. And they're making excuses of, oh, we're going to an an all-ages bar. There's no alcohol. Don't worry about us, Dad. We're going to go out and we're going to have a girl's night out and have fun and 
James Gordon is just like, well, you guys got to be careful because at night the weirdos come out. And then we uh, smash cut to Poison Ivy, again in the Amakami style, um, accosting two couples in the park. And, of course, Batgirl and Robin uh, show up on the scene with this great uh, phrase from uh, Robin, who, again, I'm guessing is the cousin of Barbara Gordon, kicking uh, Poison Ivy in the face and saying, boot to the face! And uh, a big, a big, yeah, yeah. a big fight plays out um, on the uh, on the page. This is only this is really short. It's eleven pages. It's ninety nine cents. Uh, eventually, the idea is that they're all going to get strung together. One of the interesting concepts is that Barbara or Batgirl has a uh, sonar throat blaster, to where essentially she's got a canary scream mm-hmm. um, that she uses to help uh, defeat Poison Ivy. Um, and, uh, at that moment, Batgirl, I'm sorry, Catwoman and Harley Quinn show up, uh, as the issue ends and we're going to see, uh, the concluding page is Dwella Dent, uh, watching all of this on her monitors back at, at her secret lair. Uh. This is supposed to be a continuation of the Wonder Woman series because where the Wonder Woman issue ended, we saw the, um, um, the evil ladies of, of DC all saying something about Batgirl. And then we have this series that leads into it. I didn't really see the big tie, except maybe the writers have something bigger going, going on. Uh, the art I think is really good. Um, a lot of people just think that these Amakami statues are cheesecake, but when you see it in action on the page, it really works. And considering that we've seen the costumes go through a huge change in the DC universe, these work really, really well, and this is a this is a fun, and that's what I mean. This is a true fun comic book, which is something that you don't see very often. You don't have something where you're just sitting there going, "Oh yeah, 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 boot to the face" kind of stuff. Um, it's interesting, it's entertaining, and you better bet that I'm back for the next two installments. I think it comes out weekly, ninety nine cents a piece. Um, I'm giving this one uh, four and a half slices of meatloaf out of five. I wish they were. Uh, one of two things. I wish that they were longer or that they were cheaper than the 99 cents because what's going to end up happening is if they do collect these, you know, all three into a single issue, then you're going to end up with, um, you're going to end up with basically a $3 comic, uh, $2.99. And really it's probably not worth the $2.99, uh, in the piece. Um, but it is interesting. It is fun. And I was just trying to get to, there's some other ones that are coming out in the coming weeks that they tease in here. Uh, Amikami Duella Dent, Amikami Power Girl, Supergirl, and then Amikami Ongoing. So uh, apparently this may be good enough to where they make this an ongoing series, depending on how these how these play out. You're looking at the star reviews up on Comixology. These are getting four-star reviews, five-star reviews for each one. If you're a fan of Palmiati and Gray, then you know that they can do good work, and I think they do uh, really good work here, too. So, there you go. Let us swing it over to Rob. Rob, I have not had a chance to read this book yet, but it has been the talk of the town. I don't know which town, but the not, talk not of the town. Yeah. Spider-Man so, meets Spider-Man. So, tell us what's going on with our uh, friends down the street, the Spider-Mans. Uh, Spider-Man number one actually more focuses on Peter than Miles. Okay. Uh, it's it's the the 616 Peter, the actual prime reality one is, I 
think they announced in one of the uh, teaser things said it was going to be the prime reality and the ultimate reality, but right. Uh, and it's I feel Bendis is at his best when he's dealing with like a single character or maybe two primary characters and a supporting cast. Mm-hmm. So the book ends up actually being really good. Uh, Peter is talking about how much he loves the city, just being the usual Spider-Man that it's really similar to how Dan Slott's been writing him where he's Mm -hmm. not complaining about everything. He's just like, Hey, things are going well for me. You know, some bad stuff happened. Oh, well I'm Spider-Man. I'm having fun. Okay. And I feel that as actually a, how how does he wind up in the ultimate universe? Um, he finds a, there's a huge purple energy beam shooting out of a uh, warehouse building. Oh, okay. Uh, Turns out Mysterio was doing something there. Mm-hmm. In the fight, Peter hits it, and it explodes, and he ends up... It's it's the middle of the night where you know, he starts, and after the explosion, uh, no time passes, and it's bright daylight. I see. Uh, he ends up... You know, so he's swinging through the city, trying to figure out a little bit of what's going on, and sees someone getting mugged, tries to save them, and then is told, you know, that's kind of... What was it? Rude, disrespectful. Yeah, rude, disrespectful. That costume. That the costume is in poor taste. And, uh, you know, Peter Parker died to save us and all this because, and I didn't actually realize this, but apparently they announced Peter Parker's. Yeah, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't wearing a mask, I think. Yeah. When he died, um, when he died yeah. yeah. It, it, his, pub, his, his identity has become public in the Ultimate Universe. Right. Yeah, that I didn't know because Ultimate. Death of Spider-Man hasn't come out in paperback yet. Uh, it will yeah, be it fairly soon, uh, if it, it hasn't already. Be. Yeah, it's called The Death I'm of... Almost certain I I, I'm pretty sure it has, too. Called I The Death of Peter Parker or Death of Spider-Man, one of those two. Yeah, be The Death of Spider-Man, but it hasn't come yeah. to haze in paperback yet. Well, oh. you know what you need to do, Rob? You need to go over to Majorspoilers.com, click on that Amazon.com link, and buy it right there. But, uh... Alternately, you could drive to Topeka and come to Gatekeeper Hobbies on Tune Engage! Yeah, Ultimate Death of Spider-Man. You can get it for 15, 15 bucks. Is it called Ultimate Death of it's Spider-Man? Called, well, it's called Ultimate Spider-Man Death of uh, Spider-Man. Because yeah. that would be funny. Yeah, yeah it would be cool. Kind of ultimate <laughs> anyway, so uh, everybody's saying, oh, poor poor showing their guy in Spider-Man costume, which we just told Miles Morales several months ago, also in poor taste. Yeah. Um, so it's just the one guy that uh, actually acknowledges it. The uh, other person that he actually runs across and doesn't beat up, freaks out because uh, when Peter first gets to the ultimate reality, he goes to the same building that he was at previously mm-hmm. and busts through the same skylight that he busted through previously, which you think would ring a few bells for him to start with. But he busts into an actual apartment instead of an abandoned warehouse. Mm. And the uh, mostly naked lady who just got out of the shower freaks out and uh, starts throwing things at him. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> got to reach for it. Well, I want to see because Sarah Pacelli... Uh, does some mighty fine art, uh, and I wanted to see how she's not naked. How this all works yeah, out? She's, oh yeah, she's not naked. Uh, yeah, panel, she's, panel composition and yeah, uh, no, it's well done. Gu- gutter pacing and, and uh, uh, color mm-hmm. color temperature and <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. So it's really focusing on Peter Parker. This yeah, issue. it's very much focusing on Peter Parker. Uh, Miles shows up in the very last panel and has one line and. 
that's actually my only real disappointment with the book was I was hoping because I haven't actually gotten a chance to read anything about Miles other than some of the preview stuff yet since mm-hmm. I collect the Ultimate Universe and trade rather than singles. probably a good idea. Yeah, uh, and I wanted to actually learn a little bit more about Miles, but everything else it looks great. Uh, Bendis is like I said, Bendis is at his best when he's dealing with single characters, not the huge teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, he actually gets into the head of Peter, and he, he feels not identical to how Slot's been writing him, but he feels like the Peter Parker that we've had for the last few years, mm-hmm. instead of the uh, teenager that normally right, shows right. up for the Avengers. Right. And it's it's just a good read. Uh, I, if Miles had shown up and I'd gotten a little more about Miles, I probably would have given it a five. But as it does, it still gets. Uh, solid form slices. Okay, I I, I just I, it's funny. No, go ahead. The that's weird to me is um, Peter. I think it was Peter fought a Mysterio. Yes, and the implication is that it's the same Mysterio that somehow Quentin Beck has found a way has found a portal between the two worlds. So the Mysterio that Peter Parker fought in the Ultimate Universe in uh, Ultimate Comics: Colon Spider Man. Is the same Mysterio from the Prime Reality? Oh right? yeah, because that was never that was never really explained who that guy guy was, except that he was just Mysterio. I don't think we ever saw his face in yep. the Ultimate Comics version of Mysterio. That'd be interesting yep. if that were true. I guess the I guess my that doesn't seem likely because the Ultimate Mysterio was kind of a badass. <laughs> I, I guess there's a couple of things that Prime are Reality Mysterio is a badass. Too. I do want to read he this is badass, but he's not a badass he does a lot of badass tricks the ultimate mysterio was actually like a legitimate threat in combat for peter and kitty yeah when he first premiered uh i I guess the thing that's somewhat disappointing for me is this seems like it's a perfect opportunity to play this up more than what dc or what marvel has Mm -hmm. um on the one hand i really expected in the main 616, the death of Spider-Man! Only to have him, everybody think he's dead, but he's really over in in the uh, ultimate. ultimate universe doing ultimate things. And then when he comes back, the return of Spider-Man! Right. But instead, you know, Rain they've got... The Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But instead, we've just got ongoing Amazing Spider-Man stories that don't seem to reference this at all. Which is some, which is somewhat disappointing. That that, and maybe I really expect in, in the future it, it could, yes. or maybe we're just going to see a little editor's note saying, "See Spider-Man number or, one," or, or maybe they won't at all. Like they, might, they have they may been not. in Spider-Man forever. Yeah, you know, back in the day, there were four to ten Spider-Man right. titles, and on none the of stands, them are referencing they, one they another. They couldn't possibly reference yeah. one another. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's that's the other thing. And then Matthew, uh, I guess uh, Joe Casada had made a, a statement at one point. Uh, years ago when someone said, oh, will the Ultimate Universe and the 616 Universe cross? And uh, I think the quote was something along the lines of, if we ever if do, we, if we do means we're run out of ideas. Out of ideas yeah. yeah, so is this uh, Marvel saying we're out of ideas? No. This is Joe Quesada shooting off at the mouth 10 years ago. <laughs> okay. Here's the thing, Joe though. Quesada- I mean, is this actually the first crossover between no the six uh, Marvel six? Marvel Zombies is the uh, first crossover event because Marvel Zombies started crossover. in Ultimate Universe mm. and then they spilled over into the other universe. Right. I yeah. Marvel they Zombies haven't... though is six de- six degrees of right. Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Right. I would because I would be hard pressed to call that a crossover, yeah, especially since they haven't come to six one six. That's and, true. At all. And if well, I recall, it actually no, had that magnificent swerve of yes. of the Fantastic Four, right? Right. Right. Where Reed Richards is like. I 
think I'm talking to another Reed Richards, and you think it's right, the right. Uh, think it's six, one six, six but it's not. But it's not. Yeah. Wasn't there Marvel zombies down in the swamps? Didn't you review that? Where the zombies were coming through down yeah, in like Swampland. Eventually, in Marvel Zombies three, I think right. they make their way to okay. the six one six universe. Three, four, but... five, six, ten Marvel zombies destroy all take place in the Marvel universe. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, go ahead with what you're saying, Matthew. The the crossover has always been through that third degree, and honestly. When we look at the Marvel Zombies continuity, technically there have to be multiple Marvel Zombies continuities to mm-hmm. in play. So right. there's never been a an ultimate character crossing over with a 616 character. There have, however, been characters or versions of the same characters who've crossed over in both universes. Yeah. There is one thing that it might be a little closer than Marvel Zombies. Uh, there was, And this was probably just a little throwaway Easter egg thing. But there was an image in one of the Exiles comics when they first found the uh, the tower outside of time, mm-hmm. where you see the Ultimate X Men in one of the monitors. Oh, I see. So they are they do exist in the multiverse that is right, 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 right. There, but and Beak, who is a six one six character, did see it. Okay, I, I just I don't know. It's just those two things. I really expected this book to be a bigger throwaway. event. It just seemed to be like a. Almost a throwaway non-issue issue. Well, it's a throwaway limited series. Well, that's true, too. This is an event comic. This is a book that's about Spider-Man meets Spider-Man. And when it's all done, there may be some great moments for Miles. There may be some great moments for Peter. But it's not going to be the Kree Scroll War, or it's not right. going to be the first 104 issues of Fantastic Four. When is uh, yeah. Spider-Man's official 50th birthday? I know it's this uh, year, but do we have a month? Spider-Man came out in 63, so it wouldn't you, be this year. Well, they're celebrating 50 years of Spider-Man at Marvel right now. Yeah, that's okay. their that's their big thing that they have going on right now. So okay. that's why I was wondering about a month. Did be- Spider-Man come out in 62? Um, Amazing Fantasy number 15 would be, I, I, I swear it was the summer of 1963. I may be thinking of Avengers. Uh, it says cover dated August 1962. Okay, okay so, so this, year. this is this came out in June, June, July. No, I was wondering maybe if the if issue Isn't it five bi-weekly, is this biweekly? Do you know? Uh, I thought this don't was think bi-weekly. I saw it on the solicit. I, I was just wondering if it was something that was going to align with the big fiftieth like, thing. I'm sure. I don't remember seeing it on the solicits okay. yesterday. All right, because I figured I would have used it as one of my staff picks, but. August I went all trade happy this week. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, that that is uh, Rob. Uh, speaking of continuity, that's we're talking about all this Spider-Man continuity. Why don't we talk about continuing continuity in the Buffy verse, Matthew, with Buffy the Vampire Slayer season nine, number ten? Continuity is probably not the best uh, discussion when it comes to the Buffy verse. Well, but isn't um, that? But isn't isn't Whedon still uh, having oversight on? On Buffy and what goes on in, in the uh, in the well, series. I mean, he's listed as executive producer, which could mean anything. I mean, George Lucas is executive producer on the Clone Wars, but the dialogue is good, so we know he didn't write it. <laughs> um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer season nine, number ten, came out this week. For those of you who don't know, and I think it's safe to talk about it, there was uh, a big scare a few months ago with Buffy coming up as believing she was pregnant. 
Right. Mm-hmm. It turns out that Buffy was not pregnant. She was a robot. Uh, I remember that because her arm got yanked yes. off. Her arm got yanked off. Andrew, uh, who was the last surviving member of the Deadly Trio, transferred Buffy's mind into a Buffy bot and hid Buffy's real body somewhere out in the world so that somehow he could give Buffy a happy ending. Andrew's an idiot, by the way. I just wanted to share. This is so he um, was no wait. So he was doing this for personal pleasure reasons, or just because he thought it would be better to keep her body not safer. Not hundred percent clear, honestly. I, okay, I think he was trying to do it for happiness. He okay. wasn't sleeping with either the robot or the Buffy. Okay, if that's what you're thinking. No, no, no. I just, I was just curious. Okay, well, nobody sleeps with anybody, as far as we know. In the previous issue, we discover that the real Buffy has actually had contact. Buffy's body, I should say, has had contact with the rogue slayer named Simone, who appeared for about, oh, I don't know, six or eight panels in uh, season eight of the book. And this issue basically deals with the revelation that Buffy's body, with some sort of brain in it, has been off having adventures in and of itself. Uh, Robot Buffy with the real Buffy's mind... It's all captured, and there's some fighty-fighty. I'm not entirely sure that I'm thrilled with the art for one reason. Okay. Now, generally speaking, when I when I read a licensed title, and I say this over and over and over, and forgive me if you've heard this before, the success of the issue is based on the likeness. Mm-hmm. I could not read the Topps Comics X-Files series because no one can draw Gillian Anderson. There's a sequence, and I actually missed issue 9. I read issue 9 after reading issue 10 to find out if what I thought was going on was going on. In the first six or seven pages, Buffy is face-to-face with the Buffy bot. There are several panels where these characters who are supposed to be identical are side-by-side, and there is virtually no resemblance between the characters. Yeah. Um, the usual penciler for season 8 and season 9 is a man named Jorge Jonte, whose name I always like to screw up because it's probably George Jonte. But um, this one is drawn by Cliff Richard, mm-hmm. who is not the 60s English pop star, but a guy who's actually worked on Buffy years and years and years ago. And Cliff Richard has a different sort of take on Buffy's face. And a different sort of take on of a Sarah Michelle Geller in general. Mm-hmm. She's hard to draw. She is hard to draw. Yeah. And when the fighting comes in and the real Buffy and the robot Buffy are there, I'm glad one of them is missing an arm because that's how you can tell. Because the resemblance is really not strong enough to carry over that this is the same person. And reading the first few pages, I was confused and had to go back and read my copy of issue nine to remember where we were. Um, in any case, this issue does some good stuff. There's some references, some brief references to uh, Angel. There's some nice character work with Spike, where Spike finally calls Buffy on her crap and says, I don't want to go back to the way things were. I don't want to sit here and wait on the fringes of your life until you're desperate for somebody you can trust, which is absolutely legitimate, especially in season nine. And he flies away in his spaceship full of alien bugs. Uh, leaving Buffy to transfer her mind back into her body. And the issue ends with a moment that I guess is supposed to be empowering, where Buffy goes back to her job. She had been working as a barista in this coffee shop, and her boss is like, hey, man, I don't want to be all corporate, but, you know, you disappearing like that was kind of uncool. 
And she's like, oh, yeah, I quit. And I'm like, that was such a D-bag move. I mean, just really, really unpleasant maneuver mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. Buffy there. Mm-hmm. Because this guy just told her how difficult it was for him and his business, you know, having her disappear like that. And then she's just like, uh-huh, well, I've got a new life now. Woohoo! Um, all in all, this whole arc has been kind of a mixed bag for me. I love Buffy. I kind of love the idea of the pregnancy test being the thing that twigs her to realizing she's in a robot body. But I am completely beside myself trying to figure out the biology slash technology that would cause a robot to trigger a pregnancy test. And season eight went on way, way, way too long. And the end of season eight was kind of dramatic and final and this is the end of Buffy Dum Dum Dum. So season nine seems like a comedian who's bombing really bad, starting to leave the stage and then coming back in and starting a really long bit. It's not necessarily something that I feel was was wholly necessary. It's not necessarily season nine as being answering a lot of unanswered questions. Season nine feels a lot like season six of the Buffy television show where the characters were trying to find their way. This issue is okay. Uh, three slices of meatloaf. The issues with the, the art were relatively minimal. You know, the art itself is very good, but having two characters supposed to have identical faces and showing them side by side that they clearly do not have identical faces is a pretty large problem for me. Overall, it's an okay issue. I don't necessarily know where this, you know, this series is going. It gets almost a full star for, you know, Spike standing up for himself. So, okay, and that was out last week from uh, Dark Horse Comics. Yes, on the thirteenth, I believe. Okay, and um, Spider Man was out last week. Yep. Uh, Spider Man. Bat Batgirl Amakami Batgirl was out this week, technically on Monday when it hit Comicsology. I believe Rodrigo, this comes out this week. Your rev- your. I think it comes out like two weeks. Oh, two weeks from now. So Rodrigo's far ahead of us. Rodrigo, you are reviewing Resident Alien number two, which surprisingly is your third review of Resident Alien. Previously on Rodrigo's reviews of Resident Alien, there are three issues of it. uh, Number zero, one, and two. So uh, this is uh, Resident Alien number two. uh, Still the story of an alien that is masquerading as a human-style person in a sleepy little town where a murder has happened. Actually, dun, dun, now dun. where multiple murders have Uh-oh. happened. Multiple murders. Serial killer. So he is uh, getting pulled into these uh, murderous, or pulled into this murderous conspiracy as he tries to figure out who it is that is killing people. Uh, in this issue, there's some treatment of what happened immediately after he crash landed on earth. So you actually, a lot of this issue is a flashback to him, uh, basically trying to get his bearings on, on earth and, and trying to integrate himself into human society. And we just kind of jump back and forward. We're, uh, we're introduced or sort of, uh, reintroduced to a character, uh, who, is starting to become a little bit more important, and uh, I don't think I'm allowed to spoil exactly why, but let's just say that she knows too something. much. Oh. <laughs> uh, 
something. Still, the art is fantastic. You know, I, I mentioned this. Uh, well, the art is pretty good. We'll say it's really good. We'll we'll leave it there. We'll split the difference. Okay. Um, <laughs> Fair uh, enough. The art exists. Yes. I hate it. I love it. It's okay. It's all right. Uh, so, uh, but uh, again, sort of the uh, Rico's off his meds this week, folks. The one of one of the the greatest joys of this book is to go through and read this story, and then take a step back and say, you know, I just read a murder mystery where one of where the the protagonist is a purple alien, mm-hmm. and because of his alien powers, nobody can tell that he's a purple alien. So as you're reading it, you kind of fall into that. It's you know like when you're reading a BPRD comic or something, then you take a step back and it's like one of those characters was a fish, you know, kind of thing. It's it's the same thing where you read all the way through, and then going back through it, it's like it's like because of everybody's reaction, it's like the 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 alien is even manipulating your mind into thinking that he's just a normal person, except on the rare uh, thought balloon moments where you know he's actually being introspective and saying, "I sure am an alien," yeah, and, and things like that. So it's it's a it continues to be a really interesting read. You know the 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 plot is moving along. You st- you're starting to see the mystery start to break, um, and we might be either starting to get on the path of the killer, or we might have just been handed our first major uh, red herring. So it's it either way, it's very interesting. Uh, I'm gonna give this three and a half slices of meatloaf. Definitely uh, significantly above average effort, and you know a, a book that again, if you like murder mysteries, it's a it's a decent book to read. You know, if you're into alien stuff, I don't know because again, the character is very human, so it it really is kind of you know the the that that the main character just happens to be a dog sort of you know mm-hmm. you, you know what I mean. Like right, that superhero is a dog. Right, exactly, and and all the other superheroes are people, but that superhero is a dog, kind of thing. Yep, excellent. So be on the lookout for Resident Evil or Resident Alien number two. Also be on the lookout for Resident Evil. Yeah, those zombies, what is it? Those zombies sneak up on you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, fans and listeners, you can head over to MajorSpoilers dot com where there are a number of new reviews. And other features uh, coming up uh, today, depending on when you're listening to this, the day that this uh, podcast is released over on the site. Hello, top 10 reasons. Fast top 10 reasons why an alien invasion is better than a zombie apocalypse. I have often wondered. Well, uh, our own Zach breaks it down and uh, tells us why the alien invasion is something you'd rather have. Um, you can also uh, check out our San Diego Comic-Con coverage. It has started. Uh, we'll have the official uh, little banner icon image up on the site in a few days. But, uh, man, there's a lot of news coming out, and we can barely keep up with it all. That's why you see so many more stories written by Rob in the last couple of, of weeks. Um, and now that the reviews He's are done... making all the good stories. Yeah, he is. Now that the uh, reviews are done, we can get into the part of the show that everybody loves. It's time. The major spoilers poll of the week. It's time. For the millions in attendance and the thousands listening at home, welcome to the major spoilers poll of the con. 
Wait, how much can I do before we get sued? You know, it was... La, 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 <laughs> la, 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 You know, it used to be that your comic convention season started in April, May, you know, and carried through to uh, the San Diego Comic-Con, and then that was it. But mm-hmm. now there is a convention going on year-round. Chicago mm-hmm. Comic-Con, New York Comic-Con, Denver Comic-Con was just the last weekend. All the Wizard Worlds. All the Wizard Worlds that happened. There is one a month at least. Mm-hmm. The Kansas City Free Con, the uh, Planet Comic-Con. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Emerald, Emerald City. Uh, but one of the things that's kind of interesting that always seems to appear at these conventions are show exclusives. Mm-hmm. Now, that, whether that be a official uh, Comic-Con uh, comic book cover or an official t-shirt or what we're seeing more and more often are exclusive toys appearing at the show. Sometimes they're a variant. I know uh, Kotobukiya has a variant storm statue where she's wearing a white outfit instead of her black outfit. Mm-hmm. Um, just announced uh, this week was the fact that fans of the walking dead who are going to the San Diego comic-con can get the official Michonne uh, action figure at the, sh- at the show. Um, Apparently before anywhere else or only at the show, they really didn't make that clear. 25 bucks for that. We've seen all the White Lantern action figures appear at the cons as exclusives. Uh, and so the question this week really has, are convention exclusives something that add to the uh, convention going experience? Yes or no? Rob? Yeah. I mean, Do you go to not- Gen Con to grab that exclusive Magic the Gathering card? Oh, every year. Always. Ja- Japanese. Japanese Planeswalkers. The Japanese planeswalkers were cool, but those were a wide release. Uh, I don't know if there's a... <laughs> do they? They uh, probably don't do anything yeah. like. I'm just I, using I, that as an example. Yeah. Well, there's now there there are there are Gen Con specific cards, and they're they're reprints with with, with different like with are, yeah with different. Are art. there though? I, I, didn't, I thought there were. I figured I would have noticed that when I was there last year, and I didn't. But uh, yeah. I, that's one of the things I'm actually looking forward to at Gen Con is the HeroClix exclusive, the Superman and oh, Superman. Oh, the Superman, the Superman one? Yeah. yeah. Superman. It's, it's Superman instead of Spider-Man. Why is, why, is, why is the exclusive kind of that added bonus to going to a convention? And it, it's, it's something else you get extra at the convention. Whether or not it's a good thing that they do the con exclusives is mm-hmm. an entirely different question. But, yeah, it adds to the con. Like, being able to get something that you can't get anywhere else mm-hmm. is an added bonus to going. Rodrigo, what about you? I don't know that <laughs> I've ever been to. Man, a we need to get you. I mean, we have any sort. We need to get you to the you Planet Comic Con. If I, if you count Nortacular, oh man, I've been to one, one? convention. Oh man, like, you should see not just one all type the stuff. Of convention. Apparently, uh, this year at Nortacular, there's so much stuff to give away. Um, Blizzard sent Scott Johnson six pallets of World of Warcraft stuff. Wow, six. Big right, shipping like pallets, lift yes, things. of stuff. Uh, so, are those kind of things neat? I mean, that uh, nerdtacular, the nerdtacular um, sure. 2011 uh, T-shirt know, or the mouse pad or the whatever. I'll, I'll tell you this: I'm a big fan of variant action figures. Okay, certainly. Uh, just there, there's just something about. Being able to work with a limited canvas, you know, somebody going in and saying, okay, uh, let's do Storm with a white costume, but also making it work. Because, you know, there's a lot of decisions that have to be made there. So I am interested in that from an aesthetic choice. Mm -hmm. Is it that big of a difference that in one, Emma Frost has stockings under her 
thigh-high boots and on the other one it's skin that you know was clearly not a huge decision to make but you know some of the stuff that i i actually am interested in but again uh i unless i got it for free i wouldn't go out and buy it because mm. it's bound to be super extra expensive mm-hmm. um i've just i've never big been big into conventions so although i like variant action figures uh i you know i've never actually had too much of a chance to get one now if i see one in the store and it's like a second printing and they've got like a different coat of paint on it if i actually right, like right. it i'll get that okay what about you matthew i think that there are two questions in play here and rodrigo touched on one of them yes it is something that is extra it's something awesome that that convention experience is adding to it but i think that the secondary market really turns me off of convention exclusives mm, mm-hmm. where you know somebody's like oh well we had this giant galactus and everybody's like oh i want a giant galactus and the guys like great it'll cost you thirteen thousand dollars yeah you know it's something where it really feeds a speculator mentality so the answer to your actual question asked is yes yes it does the answer to the question that i think a lot of people are perceiving and the question that I think is more important is what exactly, you know, what exactly is it that we're dealing with here as far as those convention exclusives? And I think what it's kind of breaking down to is a negative expectation that it's going to feed speculator mentalities and, you know, ridiculous giant prices. On you know, I don't, I don't think that it, uh, when you say, ridiculous prices i mean, I guess you know it depends on what you're saying ridiculous prices are because those things are always going to be what the market will bear um i do remember when the uh when the exclusive galactus came out that i thought there's no way i'm going to get one uh but then three four months later guess what they came out with the same galactus it didn't have the exclusive bid on it and they were selling it right um I I voted no. I voted that the exclusives do not add to the convention-going experience for me because if I go to the show and I get one, great. But if not, it's really no big deal at the end of the day because of this one reason, because of that secondary market. If You know, I remember years ago uh, they came out with the very first DC Minimate, and it was the the John Stewart Green Lantern, and I've still got it. And... You know, I think they were giving those away at one point. I was able to go online and buy it for less than $2, I think. Mm-hmm. Didn't have to go to the show. Didn't have to stand in line. I remember when my wife and I went to the San Diego Comic-Con, we went to the uh, the uh, Diamond Select Toys or the Art Asylum booth every day trying to get the exclusive blank mini-mate that they had, which is just a mini-mate that has no paint on nice, it. Nice, nice. And it took us... Yeah. Three times at noon to try to go through the line and get one. The first day, my wife got one. Second day, neither one of us got one. And the third day, I finally got one. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I was kind of like, man, are we gonna, I really don't want to do this again for that. Uh, same way when you get to the show and it's like, hey, we're selling these toys. We did that with a number of toys when we were there. And at the end, it was just like, I could get these somewhere else. And more than likely, the toy company or the publisher or whatever it is is going to have these in a mass market version at some point later. Now, granted, we haven't seen the mass market version of the White Lanterns yet, um, unless you can get them in an exclusive set. But at the same time, I didn't have to go online and buy one because 
uh, one of our listeners said, hey, I picked up an extra one. Do you want it? And I'll sell it to you for, and I think he only marked it up 5% over Mm -hmm. what he bought it for. And I was like, sure, I'll take them both. So I don't think that it really adds to the experience because I think you can get those things later. And if you know how to shop right for those exclusives, uh, Mattel through their Maddie Collector store Mm -hmm. will actually sell you that stuff. Um, I think they go on sale the same day as the ones on the convention go through. Uh, they also did this thing where you can pre-order and pick it up on the show floor or have them sent to you. So if you know how to ship for this or shop for the stuff, you can get it without going to the convention. Mm-hmm. Are they cool? Sure they are. Um, yep. But if they're going to be exclusives, they need to be exclusives, meaning sure. don't sell that Galactus four months later as a mass market thing. Don't sell that um, uh, the Solomon Grundy action figure six months later. Sell it at the show, and after that, it's gone. Because then you can run up the speculator market. And I know for a fact that there was, with one exclusive comic book, that they knew ahead of time that it was going to be rare, limited print run, and somebody bought up a whole bunch of them and just sat on them, mm-hmm. and then started selling them one by one for hundreds of dollars. But but companies generally want to seem to want to avoid that. I know, I know they do, but, yeah. you know, that's why it's not an exclusive. Yeah. You know, unless you're looking for that little stamp that says SDCC on it or, mm-hmm. you know, WZ or Wizard World uh, CC. So I say no. Matthew, how'd the rest of the Major Spoilers Nation vote? Well, I, I, I think the Major Spoilers Nation voted in kind of the same way we did. 59%. Right now, 117... Same tension. Three, two. 117 votes. <laughs> 59% saying, yes, it does add to the convention-going experience. 41% saying, no, no, it doesn't. But the, I think that a lot of the comments seem to be, you know, dealing with the things that we've touched on. Right. Which, you know, that secondary market and the, mm-hmm. the actual expectation of, is it as an exclusive if it's not really an exclusive? Yep. You know, is it garbage just because it was in the garbage? And, you know, you just don't want to get Bruce Otter started on that discussion. I, you know, if they would make him exclusive, I think it would be awesome, but they just don't. That's the unfortunate part. Because, you know, that Green Lantern, I think you could get when they made their Mini Mates DC setup. And, and so. by the way, I couldn't find anything about Gen Con exclusive Magic Card, so I don't <laughs> think they do. I think it's I was because... just using that as an example just because it was the only thing I knew about gaming Gen Con and Rob. It's the only thing he knows about Rob. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, but Rob you know what, magic. though? I, I bet you that that's why they don't. It's because they don't want to run up the market. Well, some of those cards are already card. selling for fifty, sixty, hundred, two hundred dollars online, right, Rodrigo? Yeah, so. and, and those are and those are available. You can get yeah. those through booster packs. A card that you would only be able to get at a con would be much more expensive. Uh-huh. Those are the exclusive ones for the comic books that are alternate art. The only way you can get them is by buying the comic. Yeah, but then you can get them by buying a comic, and presumably, if they were popular enough, they would just print more. People right. going and, to Gen you know, Con are only going books. to be those guys going yeah. to Gen Con. Uh, the the ones yeah. the promo cards that are the most expensive are the judge exclusives, because mm-hmm. only the judges get a hold of them and those things. Sure. All right, everybody. We you've heard us and you've seen how the Major Spoilers Nation has voted so far. You can head over to majorspoilers.com. You can cast your vote in this week's poll of the week. Our convention exclusives, something that add to the convention going experience. Yes or no. We really appreciate your voting, and we love reading everyone's feedback. Um, there's really good discussions that uh, that come out of there. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about Princeless. Stick around. Greetings and salutations, Major Spoilers. 
Pat Halo from the forums here, back again with a couple of thoughts on a couple of movies. First up, it's Red Lights. Robert De Niro is a world-renowned psychic who comes out of retirement and finds himself being investigated by Killian Murphy and Sigourney Weaver's scientists. This movie is actually alright. Robert De Niro is better than he's been in years, and the chemistry between Murphy and Weaver is brilliant. The story is also quite interesting, however it does get a little predictable a little too quickly. It's not quite as sixth-sensian as it would like to be, but it is kind of worth a look. The other movie I want to talk about today is a bona fide classic. It's my favourite movie of all time. It's Jaws. Jaws is awesome. It got a theatrical re-release, and I just loved it. I lapped it up. Next time you watch it, really watch it. Pay attention to the editing, the score, the acting. The writing has so many classic lines and scenes. It's beautifully shot, and despite Bruce the Shark still looking quite lame, it's tense as all hell and scary to boot. Best movie I've seen in the cinema in, well, since The Avengers, really. Um, but it begs the question, what do you guys think about all these movies getting theatrical re-releases? You know, Jaws, Titanic, Episode 1, Jurassic Park and Avatar even got a second run. Like, I know a lot of these are 3D re-releases, like the Disney's re-releasing of The Lion King and Beauty and the Beast and whatnot. But, you know, just wondering, what do you guys think about this? Um, I'll leave it there for now. Thanks again for your time. Have a great week, guys. And as always, you can find Cat Halo movies on the Twitter, on the Facebook, and on the excellent Major Spoilers Forum. Cheers, guys. Take care. Thank you, thank you, thank you, everyone, for calling in and leaving a message on the Major Spoilers Hotline. Listeners, if you would like to contribute and be a part of the show, all you have to do is call that hotline. Matthew, that number is... 785-727-1939. The Major Spoilers. I forget what I was talking about. Hotline. Uh, what's the what's the thing that you always hear about in the fairy tales, especially like uh, you know they all lived happily ever they after. all live happily ever after is one. You also hear the tale of the girl who was locked in the tower. Mm-hmm. Sleeping Beauty is that way. Rapunzel is that way. You know the prince has to come and rescue the maiden. Uh, Princeless takes that uh, that idea and turns it around, where we're introduced to. Uh, Adrian, uh, who is a princess, who is locked in a tower when she turns 16, and she ain't going to take that anymore. With her guardian dragon, she fakes her death, and she goes out to rescue her other six sisters, who her, I wouldn't say wicked king father, but a very stern and menacing father has decided he should lock away uh, to find an, uh, to find a suitable heir for the throne, he looks an awful lot like Thulsa Doom, I'm just saying. Yeah, he really does, although I hear him as, um, what's his name from the Green Mile? Um, Michael Clark Duncan? My- Michael Clark Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, he is that, or Michael Clark Duncan wasn't in uh, The Fifth Element, was he? Who was that? That was... Um, the President? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, that's a different guy. Yeah, one of those two, uh, I think, would be a perfect king in this story. So we're reading the first four issues in The Princeless Trade that is out now. And uh, again, I've kind of encapsulated the story. Adrian decides that she's had enough, so she and her dragon, Sparky, go to rescue her sisters. Well, in order to throw everybody off the scent, she has her dragon torch the tower that she was staying in. Word gets back to her uh, father, and he's like... Oh my gosh, someone's killed my daughter. And I, I guess I'm kind of led to believe that Adrian is like the favorite daughter. I guess maybe it's just from our perspective of the story since we haven't seen the other sisters. I don't think so. Okay. 
Um, but he's all in an all-out hunt to find the person or who's responsible for killing his daughter. Uh, Adrian has grabbed a sword and a suit of armor, and she's going out to be the knight. She's going out. She is essentially Prince Les. Um, we find out a lot of other interesting things that happen. There is a son. There is an heir to the throne. But the king doesn't really like his son that much. That part is where I felt the king was really and actually a bad guy. Yeah, he yeah. treats his yeah. son like crap. Or abominably. Oh, yeah. abominably. Like it, it, every single thing the king says to his son is, you are a failure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And he, you know, the the son would rather read poetry and act in plays, and he doesn't think that's very kingly. And just kind of a from an art perspective, I mean, the king is drawn as you know ten feet high and six feet wide, and you know, willing to just throw anybody in the pit who displeases him. And yep. um, you know, so you get into that idea of the king is just all about might and strength, and that's what it takes to rule the kingdom. Yep. Where Adrian is just like, this is all BS. Even from an early age, as the issue starts out, or as the series starts out, we see her mom reading her the fairy tales that we all know. And she's like, this is BS. Why would anybody lock their daughter in a tower? Why would anybody kill the dragon with one stroke? I would never let this happen to me. And then, of course, she winds up in the tower because her father poisoned her stake on her 16th birthday and sent her away. What were you going to say, Rob? I'm not sure. Okay. I was going to say a few things in there but rodrigo what about the story wise or at least in the general setup that we have here now uh yes you are correct that is what happens <laughs> hooray um, next uh, week on the major sport oh. yes now uh eventually we meet we, we start meeting other characters mm-hmm. uh including a a young girl who wants to be a blacksmith and right really we find out is a blacksmith right uh, it's just that nobody will buy her stuff because they don't want stuff, you know, made, made by, by a, a girl. girl. I got to say, there is a brilliant sequence in this piece where she's like, oh, let me show you our uh, women warrior outfits. And she reveals them and she goes, this one's called the princess. Uh, and it's Wonder Woman's costume. Mm, and this one Diana. is. Oh, I'm sorry. The Diana. Uh, then there Zena's is the Xena is called the, the warrior princess. It's okay. The warrior, warrior princess, princess or the princess. Yeah. And then there yeah. was the, um, the, the bikini, the, the Sonya, the Sonya, which Sonya, is the yeah. chainmail bikini one. And I just thought that that sequence was real brilliant because the author through the characters are like, why would women wear this stuff? You know, why this doesn't make any sense. This is, why don't you make, why don't you make armor for women? Instead of women warriors, why don't you have warriors who are women? And then that's when the the blacksmith girl is just like, ding, okay. Uh, it takes her like half of the chapter or whatnot to figure that out. She, like the princess is sitting there arguing with her, why, why, why am I not protecting my belly? What do you mean not protecting your belly? You've got the little wrist thingies. They block weapons. What if I'm doing? <laughs> well, it's even funny because later she puts on the Diana. And she actually says, oh, well, these gauntlets do work. And, oh, the rope <laughs> well, really work. Does, mm-hmm. does do its job. But, you know, she really wants good good armor. Um, and I just thought that was brilliant as we look at the role of the female character in, or the female hero uh, in, in stories like this. Matthew, what are your thoughts on, on this series? Um, probably not going to be the most positive. 
And the reason why, and, and you know, we had a, a brief discussion earlier, and Rob nailed it for me, is there's 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 kind of a problem for me in this book in that it takes a, your every expectation mm-hmm. and literally inverts it and gives you the exact opposite of what your expectation is. So you learn about halfway through the first chapter that as long as you think the opposite of what you expect to happen is going to happen, the story becomes very predictable. Right. And there's there's a problematic aspect for me early on in the book. The first time we see a suitor come up, he's like, yo, fair maiden. And she starts yelling at him, be you a moron? Do you understand the words coming out of your mouth? And, you know, I, I totally hear Chris Tucker's voice and it becomes an episode of The Proud Family. But basically, we go into this expectation of how Adrian is. I don't know if she's African-American or not. Um, I don't know. There's no America. It's the times. She is dark skinned and she goes off on how a fair maiden is light skinned. And I'm kind of like, OK, that makes our protagonist particularly unpleasant because this you know this kid showed up and yes his expectations were probably not what they should have been and she certainly shouldn't be property or chattel to be won by some schmuck but by going off on this you know this goony little night it sets her as being a very very strident character from the very beginning and there's no amount of bonding with her pink candy colored dragon that's going to overcome that for me unfortunately Rodrigo what about you uh, here's here's my read of of this comic. This comic is feminism. The comic, right? And and I, I you know, I I think that very overtly. So I mean, I don't sure. think they're no, they're trying. I don't think they're trying to hide it or anything like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's that's not a problem. Uh, the issue is that from a story perspective, uh, in order to set up those inversions, you need to strain the narrative to set up those inversions. Uh, this uh, story is, for example, highly anachronistic because obviously that worldview uh, only existed in very limited quantities in medieval-ish England, right. I'm going to guess, you know, medieval-ish Europe where all of the fashion would, would, would lead you to believe this takes place. Right. Um, you know, there's, I mean, there's a black princess in medieval Europe, which, aside from Spain, you wouldn't really see it all that much. Mm-hmm. And even, well, you know. Uh, so, I believe Mary, Queen of Scots, was a Moor, famously. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, so, you know, it's like, uh, you know, the, the the conversation with the blacksmith girl, who, by the way, I totally hear is Applejack. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, it's like... She has that conversation with her, but to me it seemed out of place for two girls to be having that conversation. I would imagine that the other girl would have been with her on that from the beginning. Sure. Now, granted, I mean, you you get that, you know, you know, when when a woman is brought up in a patriarchal society, she might not realize that she has other options besides. But you do know that that's how women were taught and that's how many thought especially during the women's suffrage movement the women's rights movement where there were a number of them that were like yes equal rights now and a number of them were like why would you want any of that stuff sure but that's not who the blacksmith character is true she's not a traditionalist 
she's somebody who's already been forced to break with tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can go either way. I can, I can, we can certainly argue about sure. that for you know forty-five more minutes or whatever. I, I, my biggest concern with this is this book is trying to prove a point mm-hmm. and will very frequently uh, say, "Hang on." We're not going to continue the story here for a second. I need to set up a character to be tripped down a well. Sure, sure. Uh, and then a character is tripped down a well. That's my biggest issue with it. Now, is is, is it good that this comic exists? Certainly. I mean, it's, it's a comic that is specifically designed to be positive for young women and to take all of those things that are just ingrained into fantasy stories and really stories in general that we read today that are sexist, that are problematic... And bubble those up to the surface and deal with them. So that, I I certainly don't have a problem with the comic. It's just the story of it sometimes really necessitates for it to stop and deal with it. So does it change your mind that then if this is targeted towards young adult readers as opposed to mainstream readers? I figured it was. Okay. All right. Rob, what about you? The fact that it's targeted to... No, 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 no. Just in general. Other thoughts and comments. Did you like the art? Yeah. Yeah, I, I I always have trouble voicing my opinion on the art when I'm doing any reviews because I am so much more focused on the story mm-hmm. than I am on the artwork for anything. Like if if nothing strikes me as particularly good or particularly bad, the art doesn't even like like my brain doesn't even register that the art is there. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like I mean, I obviously can tell that it's there, but it's not. It is never registers as something that I need to comment on, unless something specifically grinds me. And nothing in the book really bothered me, but nothing in the book ever stood out. Stood out as being particularly well done, for at least artistically. Like, I'd, yeah, I did like the uh, setup that the primary villains of the story are basically going to be the two main characters parents right their dads well yeah oh yeah yeah yeah. because by the end the 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 um the dwarf the guards burn down the building with um who they think the the blacksmith is inside or the girl is inside and when the father comes home and he sees it's burning he's like all right uh somebody owes me on this Mm -hmm. and so the king hires him to go hunt down the dragon yeah and the mother, realizing that she should have been mourning the loss of her daughter rather than seeking restitution, after the dwarf comes in asking for restitution for the loss of his business and daughter, mm-hmm. which I think was more, it honestly felt more like he was wanting restitution for the loss of his business right, than the daughter, right? Because his daughter was the business mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. I, I think the one thing, and I, I could be wrong, but. Um, the sword that Adrian has, that's a magic sword, isn't it? I don't think so. Because I, there's an interesting there's an interesting thing in that um a wizard did it. Uh prior to we don't know how long Adrian's been locked in the tower, but um Devon, who's her brother, the twin brother, the the prince, has been doing sword fighting with his father. And then suddenly the father's like, you know, you used to be able to best me and you used to be really good at this, and now in the last weeks or whatever that he's saying um, you know, you've, you know, I can beat you with ease. And then we learn that Devin slipped a sword into Adrian's room 
And we also saw that Adrian was able to take down her brother with a single swipe of the sword and one-handed and do, at that. Yeah, one-handed at that. So I'm wondering if that's a magic sword that isn't All that was kind of subtly thrown no, I mean, in a, there. That's, that's a good point. I hadn't even thought about yeah. that. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I need. I, I saw. All of the little, like, you used to be good at this stuff, mm-hmm. and I figured we'd get a reveal later. But, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. That and and it hasn't it. been revealed. I mean, we're only reading the first four issues. I mean, uh, we learned we learn that Devin is partly responsible for making his sister pass out and eat the steak. And as the fourth issue in this volume concludes, uh, Devin's getting ready to tell his mom the truth about Adrian is really this knight, and she's really not dead, and she's going after her sisters. Apollonia is the one she's going after next, I think. Um, that was the no, one, that Apollonia was the one, she was the one to... that she tried to go oh, after okay. she was the younger one. We see her at the very end. That's the one that's... Well, we see, you know, yeah, we see one of the sisters or one of the Apollonia? ones that she's going yeah. after. Uh, but we do see that these are this author's take on those classic fairy tales because she, uh, uh, Adrian, is the Rapunzel character, right? Mm-hmm. We see uh, Apollonia is the Snow White character. Uh, down to the part where she's singing and the little birds are flying in and she lives in the cottage in the woods. Um, so, you know, he, I, I think the author is, is trying to do something here now, whether it's, you know, it feels very uh, tropey, whether it's just using uh, ideas and, and spinning them in a different way. I mean, that's, uh, that's one, that's one argument that can be made against the series for sure. Um, is it good for young female readers? I, I certainly think so. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, I, I say, pick it up. If you if you see it, I say, pick it up. Rob, what about you? I'm going to be looking for it for myself this week. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I'd totally recommend it to anybody. Okay. Rodrigo, what about you? Eh, I wasn't too impressed by it. Borrow honestly. it, skip it, buy it? Um, I would say definitely borrow it. Uh, show it to your daughter, and if she's into it, then buy it for her. Okay, Matthew, what about you? I have to agree with Rodrigo. There really wasn't a whole lot going on here that I went, this is absolute must reading. But there's nothing particularly wrong with the story. And as long as you don't, you know, expect, this is going to sound mean, as long as you don't expect to be super surprised by some of the plot oh, twists, yeah. it's actually pretty enjoyable. I definitely say pick it up, check it out. That's that's why I say that, um, what was the one that we were reading, The Ghost of... Um, Saint- Christmas past? No, no, no. The <laughs> the one that takes place in uh, Florida. Oh. Um, the ghosts. Of, I know yeah. what you're talking about. The Scooby Gang and in, in, the, fa- uh, the Funky Phantom. Yes, whatever it was. Something like that. You know that was written with the young reader in mind, just like I think this one is written for the young reader in mind. So I, I'll forgive a lot of those really complex storytelling stuff just because we're telling a story for kids, not necessarily for twenty somethings. And is so Saint Augustine. Yeah, Saint Augustine. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's why I I will forgive a lot of these things that, Rodrigo, that you mm-hmm. you had an issue with, because it's like, well, you know, if my 10-year-old or 8-year-old daughter were reading this, I think that the kid would probably get a kick out of it and find a hero in it. Um, if I were giving it to my 18-year-old daughter, she'd probably look at me and go, really, Dad? Really? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I guess it kind of depends on, on what the age range is on, on that. I don't know. This True. one seems like one I'd actually be able to share with my mother. Like it, it, my mom as opposed to Witchblade or yeah, uh, Voodoo, but or just any of the comics. Just like one, it's the uh, it's the sure. female oriented right. to start with. Right. Uh, two, it's this kind of silly, fun adventure. It's mm-hmm. not 
Uh, there, there's and there's not the any sort of continuity or anything going on other than what you're given with right away and mm-hmm. what you know from fairy tales. And my mom, my mom's really tries to understand the stuff that I like. Mm. She really tries, but she can't figure any of it out. And I think this would be one of those things where I could be like, "Hey, this is this type of stuff that I like. You will actually understand this one." Yeah, yeah. Matthew, did your daughter sit down to read this with you? Oh no, 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 no. Okay, my daughter right now won't read anything. She's. Uh, I'm done with my reading program, and I've run out of time. So now I'm going to play my video game all day long. I see. Would she be interested she in reading this? I think she might. She's not so much with the swords and sorcery, mostly because I have a tendency to go, "Ooh, swords and sorcery, baby, baby, baby." All right, you should start going ooh boys now, so that when she uh, gets old enough, oh, she's I like, have. "You're right, Dad. Dad did say boys are yucky." No, there there was a boy. He came to the party and he gave her jewelry, and I'm like, "Hi, my name's Matthew. I'm going to have to kill you now." <laughs> <laughs> All right, listeners, that wraps it up for this uh, issue. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. Next week, we're going to go take a uh, another visit. We're going to take a look at Black Sad in a brand new uh, book out from Dark Horse called Black Sad Silent Hell. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we will talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com, and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well, I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew He kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm Star Raven rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline Would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine be In the Middle East With a King Santo and soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler Major Spoilers It's copyright 2012